Hello there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our associate minister and worship leader, Will Clip. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! If I were to say to you, tis the season to be jolly, you guys already know the answer. And why do you know the answer? Why is it? Because you're all familiar with the song, the lyrics uh, of the, the Christmas song. And you also know it's the time of year that, that Christmas is just around the corner. How do we know that Christmas is coming? How do we know it's coming up? Well, because you can look at your watch, you can look at a calendar, and you can see that we're about to head into the final month of the year, December. And of course, we know Christmas always happens in December, December 25th. And it's also cold outside, so you know, oh, it must be winter. The Greeks called this linear time that we understand it, uh, chronos. And we get our word chronology or chronological order from this word. Days, months, years, hours, minutes, seconds is all the chronos way of understanding time. But if I were to tell you that this is just a really difficult season right now, or if I were to say, this is the most exciting season of my life, would you be able to figure out the start and end dates of that? Could you mark it on a calendar and know how long it was and when it was going to come? Of course not. Because those are moments in life that have fluid time periods. Uh, Some are long, some are short, some last seemingly indefinite. Uh, Many of you were around friends and family for Thanksgiving, and uh, maybe you're still around them right now. Uh, At any moment during your holiday, did you just lose track of time? Did you lose track of time? Were you enjoying the moment so much that in the blink of an eye, all of a sudden you realize that, oh man, it's time to go. And while you may have been visiting with your family for a set period of time, whether you're, you're with your family for two days, three days, just one day, a few hours, that's a chronos amount of time. But there were probably moments during that visit when you didn't seem to be bound by the clock and completely lost yourself in the, the reminiscing, the laughing, the, the conversations that were being had. And, and this understanding of time is one way that we understand uh, not chronos time, but what the Greeks called kairos time. It's moments and events in our lives that seem to fall outside of the clock. It's that experience that seems to transcend the timer. And you've all experienced this. You know the saying, time flies when you're having fun. I'm doing a lot of fill-in-the-blank stuff this morning. Right? We've all experienced that. There's also a negative side of Kairos time, where time seems to slow down and seems to crawl and go slower than it actually should. Uh, Growing up in school, I was in detention a lot, for reasons I won't explain here. But I remember, like in high school, our detentions after school were two hours, and that two hours seemed to it felt like eight hours. It felt like an eternity. But if I were to watch a movie that was two hours long, it'd be like, oh, it's over? So that's Kairos' understanding of of time. I'm willing to bet that the best memories and the, the favorite moments of your life are Kairos moments. But I'm also willing to bet that some of the, the worst moments uh, in your life were also Kairos moments. Because you may have felt perpetually stuck in a difficult moment 
in, in time, a season of life where it felt like you were unable to get out of it. Advent is the season of spiritual preparation and waiting for the coming of Christ. And the word Advent comes from the Latin Adventus, which means coming. Every year, we know Advent is going to come. We know it's happening. And we'll follow along, and it helps us get ready for Christmas. It's a, a spiritual reenactment, if you will. Uh, of, uh, it kind of sort, sort of mimics the, the Jewish people who were uh, in a waiting period. They were in a, a moment in their, uh, in their history as a people of kind of darkness and uncertainty and difficulty. And it was a trying time for them uh, as they were eagerly waiting for and preparing for the Messiah to come, which we know was fulfilled when Jesus was born. So it's something that we do, this Advent season, it's something that we do every year at the same time. Advent, Christmas, we can count our clocks by it. That's chronos. But by practicing Advent on a chronos level, if you will, actually gives us, shout out to my Lyft group peeps, uh, it gives us spiritual technology to manage the difficult, uncertain, and perhaps painful kairos moments of our lives that we don't see coming up on the calendar. There's a universal truth uh, that exists, uh, a universal cycle or a pattern or a rhythm uh, that, that unfolds in three areas that I want to talk about briefly this morning. And if you're taking notes, if you are a note taker, I did the alliteration thing, so they all start with the letter C. Um, so three areas that this universal cycle or pattern exists and how it unfolds, we're going to talk about it. The cosmos, the Christ, that's Jesus, and in God's children. So let's talk about the cosmos for, for a moment. What do I mean by the cosmos? The ancients would, would, uh, would maybe call it the heavens. Uh, we know it as the universe. Uh, everything that is creation being an orderly and complex system as a whole. If you're familiar with the winter solstice, uh, you'll know that it's the shortest day and the longest night of the year. Uh, many ancient cultures recognized it as the turning point uh, of the year where more light would begin to emerge and soon spring would arrive. And these ancient cultures that were so tied to the land and relied on farming, it was a natural rhythm, a natural cycle. They would have to harvest all that they could in the fall to have them be prepared and get through the winter. And so lots of cultures had stories about their deities or some kind of mythology surrounding the winter solstice because it was a celestial event uh, that would let them know that more light and warm weather was coming in the season to come. So literally, in the darkest, most difficult season of the year, the winter solstice provided hope in the preparation, waiting, and expectation of the next season. So we see this, this pattern e emerging even in the cycle and rhythm of creation itself. In the darkest time of the year, the sun appears to stand still, is what solstice means, the sun stands still for a few days, but the waiting in that period eventually gives way to more light. So we see this pattern in the cosmos, and we see it, secondly, in the Christ, in Jesus. Uh, the pattern is repeated. We see it in the, the events of the life of Jesus uh, in the incarnation, uh, the birth of Christ. Scriptures detail the promise of a coming Messiah who would save Israel 
But then we know through the history of Israel that they're conquered nation after nation, conquers them, and then eventually are under the Roman Empire, under their rule. And the Israelite people are oppressed and, and find it difficult and are struggling to survive under this new arrangement. And maybe even start to begin to question God's promise that he was going to send a savior. So it was considered a very dark an uncertain time for them in their history, and yet a remnant of faithful people waited and prepared and still hoped that the Messiah would come. And of course he does. He's born in Bethlehem. So there's the pattern. But we also see the pattern repeated in, in the other events of the life of Jesus. And, you know, it could be argued that Jesus' whole life was a struggle of sorts. It was difficult for him. He had to wrestle with things. Uh, his own people... Uh, rejected him. Even at the very beginning of his birth, his family had to flee to Egypt so Jesus could escape death. His own people turn against him. The people that were in his inner circle, like Peter, deny him. Uh, and eventually, we, we know in the story of Jesus, his passion, crucifixion, he suffered greatly on his way to the cross. And then, of course, he dies on the cross. But we know the story. After his death, he's three days in the tomb, and after three days, he's raised to new life and lives again. So now going back to the winter solstice for a moment, it's the reason we uh, celebrate the birth of Jesus on December 25th. And before you get mad, let me say, this, the history of this is, is, is up for debate, so I'll, I'll say that. There's lots of different arguments as to why we celebrate uh, Christmas on December 25th, but one of the arguments that I felt was most compelling when I was reading this is that uh, Christians at this time in history uh, have come after lots of ancient cultures already who celebrated the winter solstice and had uh, these stories and, and rituals and practices surrounding the winter solstice, and Christians uh, living in the Roman Empire would have been familiar with the Romans and they had a, a winter solstice, uh, they, they celebrated a god, Sol Invictus, uh, that was the, the Roman unconquered sun god. And so they would have been familiar with this. They celebrated on December 25th. The ancient Celts uh, had a celebration around the winter solstice, but their celebration was actually on the day of the winter solstice itself, which was December 22nd. And so the early Christians, familiar with all of this, saw that and said, you know what, you're half right. You, you almost got the story right. So the early Christians saw that, you know what, Jesus is the unconquered S-O-N, not the S-U-N, and he is the light of the world. But instead of celebrating the birth of Christ, the light of the world, on, on December 22nd, which was the day of the solstice, they kept it on the 25th. And how many days between the 22nd and the 25th? It's three days. So they saw this as like, wow, that's telling the story of Jesus right there. Jesus, three days in the grave. He dies three days in the period of waiting in darkness and then is raised to new life. So many believers thought this was divine proof or affirmation uh, that this is actually a good and proper time to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so we see this pattern repeating and repeating and repeating. Darkness, waiting, light, death, burial, and resurrection. And then we see the pattern repeating in God's children, in us. Jesus' followers have long said that there were three incarnations of Jesus. 
The first one being in the flesh when he was born as a baby in Bethlehem. The second at his, uh, at his return, the end of time, in power and glory. And then the third one, uh, his daily incarnation in our hearts, in us. James Finley, a Christian clinical psychologist and Christian mystic, points out this idea of Christ coming into our own moments of despair, hurt, or uncertainty by recalling the events of Jesus' birth, by saying there was no room in the inn. There was no room in the inn, but God came anyway. When we find ourselves in the middle of maybe some rough and rugged, unfinished business in relationships, hurt, pain, darkness, despair, we might wonder, how can God enter into that? When it seems like there's no room, he comes anyways. Waiting and preparing for Christ to come into our lives is not about cleaning ourselves up so that he'll come to us. It's about waking up to the fact that he comes to us even in the questioning, even in the doubts, the struggle, the pain, the loss. New Testament writers would uh, put language to this pattern and this cycle that we see uh, in different ways throughout Scripture. But James, the brother of Jesus, would say this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Trials, refining, maturity. Darkness, waiting, light, death, burial, resurrection. Paul would say in Romans, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So the invitation for us is to lean into the universal pattern or rhythm or cycle of darkness, waiting, light, death, burial, resurrection, trials, refining, maturity. The Bible uses uh, lots of different language at different times throughout to describe and put language to this rhythm, but it's all saying the same thing. Jesus himself would say, take up your cross daily and follow after him. So clearly he's not talking about that we would literally die every day. It's impossible. But what in us needs to die? Could it be that when you are in your darkest, most uncertain times in your life, that Jesus is asking your old self to die so that something can be rebirthed in you? What transformation lies ahead while you're in the waiting period? You know, Jesus doesn't just come to us once a year at Christmas. If you remember us talking at the beginning, Kronos versus Kairos time, practicing spiritual waiting and preparation for Christ coming at the Kronos level every year helps us be prepared spiritually for waiting and preparing for Christ coming into our lives at the Kairos level so to speak. I have a better way of saying it. Practicing that spiritual preparation during the Advent season each year trains us to perpetually be prepared to receive Christ whenever he comes to us. Or, I'll say it this way, a yearly Kronos routine builds in us a daily Kairos rhythm. Is that starting to make sense? It's, it's like you schedule the drills at practice, so come game time, you're ready for anything that comes at you. 
I'm sure many of you are, I'll, I'll even say, all of you probably are familiar with the uh, movie from the 80s, right, Karate Kid. Uh, it kind of reminds me of this. So Daniel thinks he's being trained in karate by Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi has Daniel doing all of these seemingly ridiculous chores and, you know, sand the floor, wax the car, paint the fence, and Daniel's not getting it, and he gets frustrated. He gets frustrated. He's like, I thought you were supposed to be teaching me karate. And so Mr. Miyagi then finally shows him by a, you know, a, a real life, let's put this thing into practice. And so he does the whole thing, show me, you know, I, I don't want to have to do the whole thing, <laughs> but you, you, you know where I'm going with this. And so, so Mr. Miyagi, you know, tries to throw some punches and, and Daniel does the, all the stuff, right? And he, and he finally, it sinks in to like, oh, all the stuff that I was doing, it actually built up the right musculature and form for Daniel to actually be uh, ready and prepared for martial arts and karate. You know, I think we often feel like our periods of waiting are, are moments that seem like nothing is happening in our lives, or we ask those existential questions of like, what does God want me to do right now? I feel like I have no direction. I don't know what's going on in my life. I feel like I'm in this deep, dark moment of despair, and I don't know how to get out. But maybe those are the actual seasons of life where formation can happen in us. Instead of running away from those moments or being afraid of those seasons in our lives, maybe we can embrace them because something new and good might be trying to get out of us. What new thing is wanting to be birthed? What old thing needs to be laid aside? What's something that you need to let die so that you can experience resurrection life? There was a poet uh, named Denise Levertov, and she, she writes in, in this, this poem called The Annunciation. It's about the, the birth narrative of Jesus um, that we find in the Bible. And she, uh, she says this in the poem, Arrived on solemn grandeur of, wing, of great wings, the angelic ambassador standing or hovering, whom she acknowledges a guest. But we are told of meek obedience. No one mentions courage. The engendering spirit did not enter her without consent. God waited. She was free to accept or to refuse choice integral to humanness. And I think she, in this poem, kind of flips this Advent idea of waiting on its head. Because in the Advent season, we talk about us waiting for God. But what she's saying here is that God might be waiting for us. God waited for Mary to say yes to giving birth to Christ. What might that look like in our own lives? In this period of waiting and uncertainty and darkness that we might feel, what is God waiting for you to say yes to so that Christ might be birthed anew in your life? We might be in a season of waiting, but it's not a passive waiting. It's an active waiting, and it actually takes courage to wait and to say yes to God. Will you pray with me? God, we, uh, we are so grateful for this time of year to spiritually prepare our hearts so that we can not miss Christ coming at Christmas. And as we've been saying, God, I pray that in this season, it would build in us a musculature 
that we would be practicing being prepared so that we can receive you when you come into our lives at any moment, not just in November and December as we get closer and closer to Christmas Day. So I pray that you would soften our hearts, open our spiritual eyes and and ears, that we may see Christ all around us, and even more importantly, that we would see Christ in us, that we would have courage to be able to walk our moments of darkness, to walk in confidence in the moments of uncertainty and hurt and pain in our lives, knowing that that might be the very moment that Christ comes to us. Would we be willing to step out in faith and let something die in us so that we can live that resurrection life? Put our old self away so the new self, the new creation, can take root in us. And may we do it over and over and over again. God, we thank you that uh, this time of year does bring hope and bring joy. And we certainly pray for those who this time of year does, does not necessarily bring hope and joy, but maybe uh, reminders of trauma, some kind of hurt or pain. But God, I pray that everyone would, would be willing to see that no matter where we are in our lives, that no matter what season we find ourselves in, if it's the darkest one that we find ourselves in, that there's hope, that a new season, that light is emerging again, and we can look forward to a brighter day. We love you. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.